sifter.com.au. G'day and welcome to Drop Rate by Sifter. Drop Rate is Sifter's review podcast packed with thoughts and feelings about the newest video games, giving you insights from some of the best games writers around. I'm Chris Button, and today we're talking about Forza Motorsport, and I'm joined by Alice Clark, one half of the Press Any Button newsletter and freelancer extraordinaire. Before we get into the discussion, here are the top stories featured on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto. And I'm Gianni DiGiovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying, sorry, you're mad. Solo-developed Manor Lords and indie city builder break sales and Steam records. Take-Two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Join the Sifter community on Discord at sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. When I think of Forza, I immediately think of you given your love and long-lasting fondness for this franchise and this series in its many forms. Could you give us a, a bit of an overview about what Forza Motorsport is about and how the reboot sort of works? Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, I'm glad you think of Forza and then think of me. I have been working on building that brand for so long and I'm glad it's finally taking hold. When you think about Forza, there's two different branches. There's Forza Horizon, which is what if we gave you the world's prettiest cars with realistic physics and then told you to drive them off a cliff and see how much stuff you could break. And then Forza Motorsport is, okay, but what if we had those same cars, but better, but we took them incredibly seriously and fun is illegal unless you find racing very fun because this is a racing sim and it is the best racing sim out there, kind of mostly. The reboot thing, so there was Forza Motorsports 1 through 7, and then there was about a four-year pause where we thought the new Forza Motorsport would be coming any time now. And now we have Forza Motorsport uh, with no numbers, and it is a live service game, which is presumably why there are no numbers, so they can just keep updating it and keep you subscribed to Game Pass forever. And it also means they can be a bit more agile and introduce features as the users request them. One thing I really got out of my chat with the developers is that they're really wanting to take user feedback and create things that users want, which might be why it's a bit of a blank slate. Now. On that blank slate, you you wrote a very entertaining uh, piece on Kotaku Australia, sort of explaining that while there's a lot of really good stuff in terms of the the car and racing simulation aspect of Forza Motorsport, there's there's a lot that feels a bit sort of bare and and let you down a bit. So could could you explain and contextualize why this hasn't lived up to your expectations compared to previous Forza games? So comparing Forza Motorsport to previous Forza Motorsport games, going back even to four 
is difficult because when Forza Horizon was released and became the runaway success that it is, Forza Motorsport went through this identity crisis. They're like, oh, should we put more silly stuff in our games? Less? What What do you want us to be? What the developers said they wanted to do with this Forza Motorsport game is strip it back. Uh, not make it a car collection game, not make it an accumulation game, and focus on built, not bought. They wanted you to fall in love with 10 cars, upgrade them through different championships, really build a connection to these cars, and then race them and feel pride in what you have created as you become your fastest self. And I really love the idea of that. Um I love racing games, particularly Forza, but I don't have a car in real life. Uh, I ride a bike everywhere. I'm oddly obsessed with my bike. Her name is Kara. It's a long story. Um, but <laughs> so I get all of my driving through video games these days. And that's not to say I haven't, like, I have driven a lot of racing cars in real life in my time. I know how to drive a car and I know how to drive in a racing simulator. But I don't know what all the little bits and bobs in a car, like in a race car, does. I do, I'm not a mechanic. And so I was excited about the idea of a game that was all about upgrading cars and that was trying to turn gamers into car lovers and car lovers into gamers because presumably part of that is taking players on the journey with you, teaching them what they need to know to be able to upgrade these cars and then race them. But they haven't really done that. There's no Forza Academy mode, and there's no real, hey, let me teach you what all this means. Let me show you why I love this hobby and why this means something to me. Because the passion of the developers is very clear, and I want to understand so I can go on that journey with them. But they just haven't taken me with them. And for a game that's supposed to have this much broad appeal, you can't only go for the people who already love racing sims and already know everything. You have to be able to say, hey, I know you love this. I know you will love it. Come with me and let me show you why. I feel that is that is a big part of my brief experience with Forza Motorsport as well, having played just a few hours at this point. But I'm someone who really enjoys the Forza Horizon series, having first dipped my toe in in Forza Horizon 2, which I think was the one set in sort of this amalgamated Europe, uh, mm. European setting from memory. I love uh, miscellaneous Europe. Yes, indeed. And then the yeah, the rather bastardised version of Australia in Forza Horizon 3, which I still think very fondly of. Uh, the, these these games that that are so that they still are grounded in a sense of realistic feeling driving, but in this massive playground where you're just let loose to race against jet planes, race against people on dirt bikes and helicopters and ridiculous challenges. It's very very much the the Hollywood racer which appeals to i suppose that broader audience which includes myself whereas i feel like with with forza motorsport at least so far it's as you say it does 
make assumptions that you're already invested in a lot of the the hardcore and enthusiast car culture in terms of making upgrades, augmenting your cars. But I will say the the racing, the the actual driving feels fantastic. Unlike you, Alice, I, I don't know what a real racing car feels like <laughs> or what, what a real racing car should feel like. But I know that when I drive in Forza Motorsport, it it feels satisfying. And I know that if I overshoot a corner or understeer around a turn, I know it's entirely my fault. I know it's nothing that the game's done to me. So with with that, I, I, I would like to hear, what, what do you think Forza Motorsport does well, especially from a driving perspective? Oh, the only reason why I'm nitpicking on things like I want you to take me with you is because this is the best racing sim I have ever played. This is the most realistic racing I have ever seen in a game. Like they've completely overhauled the driving system and it shows like it reacts like you would expect it to. Um, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable as driving a real life Lamborghini, but it sure does have the handling and that's pretty cool. And that's how I'd like to be in a Lamborghini virtually and never sit in one again actually no i would like to sit in one again they're pretty fun but still like they're not comfortable <laughs> cars but they are if you're sitting on your couch and experiencing it faster than i should ever safely drive a car sure and going back to the the core concept and core gameplay loop of forza motorsport that that focus on upgrades one one thing i did did like about this really in-depth simulation approach to the gameplay is the the continual feedback loop that it that it drips all throughout not just between races but throughout races as well in terms of assigning you a rating out of 10 for sections or how well you handle a a particular turn Uh, and i felt it was really really rewarding and gratifying handling a hairpin or a particularly dicey section of a track and seeing this green number appear like eight or above or once I got a 10 I don't know how but I got a 10 for for a section getting a 10 is the best feeling I've I've been chasing that white whale ever since uh and have yet to to recapture it but I think that the one criticism I have of this system and to to again take it back a little bit with this feedback and the ratings that you receive for each of the, the sections, it then goes towards sort of like a, an experience, um, you know, le- levels of sorts which go towards you know your your upgrades for for your vehicle. So you're continually making progress towards improving your vehicle and you know helping you know augment it for future races and events. But the the thing for me as someone who would would really like to appreciate cars and racing as much as the developers do and the people who are already on board with such a game is that I found that while, yes, it was nice to get that feedback saying, yes, you got like an 8 out of 10 or somewhere similar for this particular segment, when I would receive something like a 5 or less, which was quite frequent, more frequent than perhaps <laughs> I would like to admit. Yeah. I, I didn't actually have any tangible feedback to act on in terms of I didn't know, was it because I approached the corner too fast? Was it because I approached from the wrong angle? Was it a combination of all the above or some 
third miscellaneous reason that I have no idea about. That's that's something that I'd I'd really appreciate as someone who perhaps would like to uh, you know get better at these racing simulation games. And, and I'm curious if this is something that you encountered as well, or whether you had a better idea of how this system worked. Yeah, this is the exact same thing that I came up against because if the whole game is supposed to be about becoming your faster self and becoming faster and faster, uh, not necessarily to beat other people, though that's a part of it, but just kind of to improve for yourself. That seemed to be the main theme I took away from these conversations with developers. Part of that is knowing why my score looks like that. And I know that it is supposed to be the driving line, how close you stuck to it, how well you braked when you were supposed to brake, how well you accelerated going in, or all those kinds of factors. But tell me, grade me, let me go into a mode where I can practice doing that turn and learn what I'm doing wrong. If so much of this game is going to be in practice and you, they force you to do at least three practice laps before you do the race... If that's going to be a part of it, cool. Let's break it down. Let's really become the best we can be here. So that's the thing that I keep coming back to. Because it's live service and because they put such an emphasis on getting feedback from players, it kind of feels like they've put in all the basics and now they're standing with a big dial looking at the audience, like turning it going, okay, do you, do you want more? Do you want less so instead of doing just the thing that's their vision and releasing a game that's the game they want to release exactly how they want to release it they're like okay so we've put in all the building blocks we want but then let's see what the game pass subscribers want and that's not just my complaint about forza motorsport that's my complaint about all live service games they're all just looking at the big dial and seeing how much attention they can get and how much time they can get. I just want it to be more, I think, is my thing, because it's so good and because I love it so much and because I have such respect for these developers. Like, I've been interviewing Dan uh, Greenwald since uh, they first announced the very first Forza Horizon game. That was my first time interviewing him in person in San Francisco in early 2012 but this one felt more like a chore it felt like it had more of an identity than the previous few like i will say that what's of motorsports four through seven really did not know what they wanted to be but while this forza motorsport knows what it wants to be it's not enough of it yet and it's not fully baked one thing about forza motorsports identity and I know this is going to, this is going, knowing you, Alice, uh, personally, oh, no. outside of outside of recording podcasts and, and work and that sort of stuff, I know you have very strong feelings about the, the uh, sort of the equivalent franchise from the PlayStation perspective, Gran Turismo. <laughs> uh, and we've, we've had discussions as, yep. as listeners, as you can hear in Alice's reaction there, we've had discussions about this before. I... I I know I'm probably alone out of the two of us in this, but I actually really appreciated what Gran Turismo 7, I think that was the most recent one, Gran Turismo 7 did in terms of how, how earnestly it shared 
car culture and a lot of it was very cheesy and very saccharine but that, no, that I sort liked of that i love it when somebody earnestly genuinely loves something and isn't afraid to love it i think that is the most beautiful thing i don't care about cringe culture if this is the thing that you're really passionate about i want to see it i want to know about it you should just enjoy it and that's what gran turismo does and that's what Forza Motorsport 7 did with all the little Forza Vista things teaching about all the different cars. And it's the vibe that I get from Forza Motorsport, this new one. Uh, but I don't think they've told us enough about it to really feel their passion. You can only feel their passion in the mechanics, not in what they show you or tell you. And I want to know more about what they love and why they love it. Why, why is it that you prefer Forza over Gran Turismo? Uh, oh gosh, two reasons. One, I find that Gran Turismo's difficulty and driving are completely unforgiving and I find actually more difficult than driving the real cars in real life. Um, like, much more difficult than driving the real cars in real life. And I know it's supposed to be the most realistic. I saw the movie. God, it sucked, but in such a fun way. Uh, but I just find that Gran Turismo, every time I play it, it feels like it hates me personally and doesn't want anybody to have fun. This is serious. There is no joy in racing. Whereas I find the gameplay of Forza Motorsport to be hey, here's a car and it's really realistic, but have fun. Play with the difficulty to match your day and where you are. We just want you to have a good time in cars. Uh, we're not going to have you flip off the track just because you turned slightly too sharply once. Uh, and also the reason why I love Forza is because uh, Forza Motorsport 2 came with the Xbox 360 I got. Uh, in early 2007 and I have a lot of very happy memories of playing the Maple Valley race course and the New York race course uh, which only the old ones remember uh, with my friends and we would play for hours every day that and Perfect Dark Zero and I'm the only person in the world who loved Perfect Dark Zero those those fond memories uh, you know, such a, a core reason why, you know, a lot of these game series stick in our memories and, you know, why, why we sort of fondly pursue them for, for many years afterwards. But I, I want to go back to a point you raised about the Forza series sort of meeting you where you are in terms of its its approach to difficulty. But I think even more importantly, especially with, with recent entries, its its approach to accessibility and the the way that it sort of you know helps as many people as possible able to play the game and I know Alice that you're very passionate about accessibility and you've had a had a fair look at sort of what's gone into to the game from this perspective as well so what what does Forza Motorsport do well from an accessibility standpoint so Forza Motorsport has really focused on two different accessibility needs. One is uh, cognitive impairments and the other is blind assists. The cognitive impairment 
uh, assists are fantastic and they're really good. But the blind assists are what I've had the most experience with and is also the easiest thing to test for somebody who is who does not have those needs because I can just put on a blindfold and play um, to test the blind accessibility mode. So I don't know what witchcraft they've done, whose soul they've sold uh, to be able to do these blind accessibilities because they seem so simple it's just different beeps and you can turn on and off different amounts of beeps depending on your level of vision impairment and the amount of information you want but i can't imagine the amount of maths that went into creating these sounds that tell you how far you've gotten to the edge of the track what's going on around the track the speed that you are the gear that you are like you can legit play this without ever having physically seen a car. As long as you can kind of get the idea of what a track would look like and how you would race on it, or like imagine the basic vibe, you can play with these assists. And it is a huge learning curve. Uh, But it is incredible that people who have never, ever been able to even consider driving a real car could possibly drive a car in a game and also coming back that's another reason why i'm upset that you don't get the extra feedback on how to make a car better and do all these things because they've developers have worked so hard to be able to bring in these people who have never even been able to drive a car be able to play and then they just have not given them the tools to succeed like let alone me who does not know how to build a car so that is really impressive. And when I was talking to the developers about it, uh, Dan actually teared up and it was one of the most special interview moments I've had with a game developer in a very long time. Uh, but yeah, I think it's really, really exciting that they're doing this uh, to quote the thing that Xbox always loves to say, gaming is for everyone. So I was talking about this with you earlier, Chris, which is that I am a little bit surprised given that Forza Forza Horizon 5 put so much effort into their uh, assists for people who are deaf and hard of hearing that uh, they didn't include like ASL or BSL or other uh, deaf and hard of hearing assists in Forza Motorsport. I guess uh, they have to pick a disability for each one, but it's a bit sad they couldn't include everyone given... The Horizon people have spent so long setting up all of those systems and and 10 who makes Motorsport just isn't using them. That's a bit weird. Spectre. So there's no word on that coming in the future that we know of? No. Uh, I get the sense that they have a certain amount of budget for accessibility and they have now spent that budget coming up with one of the most impressive assist systems in terms of blind driving assist. No idea how they did that. Again, uh, I think it was worth sacrificing all those souls or uh, that goat in the moonlight. It's totally great. But I think that it should just be that each time you come up with a new system, it should be that and a yes and rather than a we're focusing on these people now. And to bring things to a close, what would you say Forza Motorsport does best? Uh, what Forza Motorsport does best is the only thing Forza Motorsport does, which is racing. If <laughs> if you like the most realistic racing sim, 
that is what Forza Motorsport is. If you want to do three laps and then a, like a variety of number of laps, depending on which thing you're doing, in a car that you will then upgrade afterwards, you are going to have a fantastic time. That is literally all this game is. So all things considered, do you drop or rate Forza Motorsport? Oh, that's such a hard question. Because I love it. I love this game. I love what it is trying to do. I love what it has achieved with the racing. I just also am very aware that it is a game that has not been made with me or players like me in mind. There is a problem that experts have when they're trying to explain something because they assume you know a lot more than you possibly reasonably could do because they know literally everything about the topic and they assume that you know at least the basics of whatever their weird topic is. I think the people at Turn 10 know too much about cars and assume that you know the basics and so they just forgot to tell you. I don't think it is even laziness or I think they genuinely did not realize they needed to give us this information but that is the problem with being experts anyway I love it it's incredible you'll probably find it really boring and I probably am not going to play it as much as I'll play Horizon 5. That's Forza Motorsport from Turn 10 Studios hardcore racing game with plenty to like about its simulation gameplay but also plenty to work on for more casual players to enjoy the ride Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. You're listening to Sifter. This has been Drop Rate by Sifter, our video game review podcast. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the theme music. Sifter is produced by Chris Button, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is senior producer and Gianni Di Giovanni is our executive producer. Alice. Where can people find you and read your work all across the internet? Well, the main and bestest place to find me on the internet is uh, by subscribing to my Substack. Press any button. I write it each week with Tim Biggs. And if you like video games and also Lego for some reason, you will love this newsletter. Um, also, you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky uh, at AliceDKC. Uh, you can also read my work on Gadget Guy. Uh, thanks to me, my editor, Chris. Um, and I also write for places like uh, Gizmodo, Kotaku, News.com, Rolling Stone, uh, and a bunch of other places. That's all for this week. And you can check out what Sifter is up to on our various socials, which we'll link to in the description. And you can also join our Discord server and have a yarn with the team about what you're playing at the moment. And if you enjoyed this episode of Drop Rate, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing the episode on social media. This helps put us in front of more people and enables us to provide more in-depth coverage. And you can also head to sifter.com.au for written articles, interviews, and more. Thanks for joining us and see you next time. Hey there, Gianni here on the latest episode of Lightmap. Sifter's interview podcast, Trent Custers from Melbourne's League of Geeks, joins me to share the pretty candid story of how their studio almost came to its end. 
the thing that I said to Blake, who's the game director on Jump Light Odyssey, and you know, we've got to remind ourselves is that it literally was just a logic puzzle. Like we did not have enough money to take one team all the way through till say late 2024, which is when, which is the amount of time that Jump Light Odyssey needed to be completed. We've got to put this one game that's already out there that has a bunch of potential and then invested in this other game that, you know, very clearly, because we can see the wishlist doesn't have this, and it's always been the case, like Solid Inferno is the weirdo strategy game, right? It was never was never the commercial front runner out of the two. You know, you don't get to pick and choose that actually the decision is made for you. You can get every episode of Lightmap for free on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube, or head to our website, sifter.com.au.